Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And let's just get right into it today. On your screen right now is an article from Polygon entitled, Activision Sued Over Female Call of Duty Character, A Photographer's Dispute. Now, in all actuality, that would make a lot of sense. We're going to be talking about photographs. We're going to be talking about characters. Activision definitely was sued. But what makes this court case in particular so interesting is that while this person did facilitate photography, they aren't really focused on the photographer angle of the story as much as I think maybe they should. So let's take a look at the lawsuit itself. United States District Court, Eastern District of Texas, Clayton, I think it's Haugen, versus Activision and the Activision Group in general. This is an action for copyright infringement under 17 USC 501. You know, for a lot of these section citations, especially at the beginning, we like to go look and make sure we understand what they are. 501 is, of course, the baseline. Hey, so you infringed a copyright. Anyone who violates any of the exclusive rights of the copyright owner as provided by sections 106 through 122 is an infringer of the copyright and subject to all the damages of the Copyright Act. 17 U.S.C. 106, of course, being what we often refer to here in virtual legality as the bundle of copyright sticks. These are the exclusive rights that a copyright holder has to reproduce, prepare derivatives, distribute copies, perform, display, etc. And so what this court case says is, I am claiming that Activision infringed some copyright of mine. Plaintiff Clayton Haugen brings this action as the owner of copyrights in two literary works and 22 photographs based on a character that he created named Cade Janus or Giannis. It's hard to say exactly what the pronunciation of this particular character would be. And of course, that's a funny name. But hey, if you're in virtual legality, you might just play video games or watch movies. And there is no shortage of funny names in either of those two fields. Frankly, I enjoy Jedi Fallen Order, but I think Cal Kestis might be the worst character name I've heard in some time. So we're going to give Cade Janis a bit of slack. Haugen created this distinct and multidimensional female protagonist. Remember, distinct and multidimensional. That's going to be important for his story because he believed that November Renaissance, a story that he had written, could be a successful film. He's got dreams of selling the, the film rights to this writing that he has made. Uh, and so he took some photos. In a series of sessions beginning in 2017, he photographed the talent, the actress, as Cade Janice. He also published the Cade Janice photographs on his website, on Instagram, and in a series of calendars. Now, for those of you that go on Twitter and like to tell people that because a photographer put a photo up on social media, that means there's no copyright and it's yours, you're wrong. I don't like to give legal advice on this channel. I don't give official legal advice. Please don't base anything that you do or don't do on what you hear in virtual legality, but copyright doesn't go away just because you make it public. You might be thinking of trade secrets or confidential information or something else, but copyright in a photograph doesn't go away just because you put it on Instagram or in a series of calendars. Defendants produce and market the Call of Duty series of video games. I think we know that. Activision makes Call of Duty. Their copying of Haugen's character was deliberate, intentional, and comprehensive. Now, this is an impressive list. Defendants, through contractors, they directed. Now, you're already seeing a few cracks in the edifice here, right? Either the plaintiff here doesn't know exactly who did this, who designed this character, who took the photographs he's going to accuse Activision of infringing his own with, 
Or it's just easier to go after the deeper pockets, right? Activision, Blizzard, Activision, ton of money. If you can go get the money from Call of Duty sales, you want to go after that and not some photographer in Los Angeles that maybe was acting on contract for Activision. So if they say defendants, through contractors they directed, used Haugen's Cade Janus photographs as guides for how to frame their own imaging and photographs, hired the same talent, the same actress, who had posed for Haugen's Cade Janus photographs, asked the talent to ask Haugen for the same clothing and gear that she wore when he created the Cade Janus photographs, hired the same makeup professional who prepared the talent for the photographs in question, directed her to do the talent's makeup exactly as she had for Haugen's Cade Janus photographs, directed her to style the talent's hair exactly as she had, even using the same hairpiece extension, so a little extra effort there, and photographed and three-dimensionally scanned this particular actress using the photographs as a guide. Now, this doesn't make the case entirely, as we will talk about in this video, but this is establishing up front on page two of the lawsuit that somebody at Activision or their contractors was acting willfully and deliberately in an effort to copy the look of this photograph session that this gentleman had. And with that as the background, it's worth kind of noting that that's not going to be something that a court loves, right? We're going to talk about what's copyrightable, whether or not this character is something that actually is infringed upon. But by establishing this right up front, this is a pretty good strategy, in my opinion, of course, and we only ever give opinions on these things in virtual legality. We are not trying this case ourselves. But in my opinion, this is a good effort to say, look, regardless of what we think about our arguments, and we're going to get to those, Judge, this is the bad things that Activision, through their contractors, did. And we now start to establish a feel in the document that says, hey, look, they did this. They stole from me. They damaged me. And it wasn't an accident. They did it deliberately. And this is important because, as we will talk about, there isn't a lot here that is obviously novel. And so one of the things that is a hurdle that this plaintiff is going to have to overcome is, yeah, okay, so that's a lady with a gun in military clothing there are a lot of those in video games. There's a lot of those in movies. There's a lot of those in books. What are you talking about? And so you put this right up front. Hey, judge, just so we're clear, so you don't fall asleep and you think I'm a crazy person, they did this deliberately. There was an actual relationship between my photography session and the creation of this character. They did all these things. Of course, these are assertions in the lawsuit before you get to discovery, but if true, they are significant. Defendants used these infringing photographs and three-dimensional images to develop the animated in-game character named Mara for Call of Duty Modern Warfare and used additional photographs of Mara to market the game. Then you see a description of the parties. We know who Activision is. We now know who the plaintiff is, the jurisdiction. Yes, the federal courts can look at copyright claims and we get a little bit more background. Plaintiff Clayton Haugen is a writer, photographer, and videographer. His story, Hard Kill, was released in August 2020 as a full-length feature film starring Bruce Willis. Again, you put this in the document to try to establish for the court I am not a crazy person, right? A lot of times people say, hey, this short story matches up with something you did in a script because there's only so many ways to arrange ideas in a story in Hollywood and Los Angeles and the U.S. copyright system in general is used to dealing with these kinds of claims. Oh, that tardigrade in Star Trek Discovery. I did a short story about a spacefaring tardigrade uh, in a game I never released. They must have stolen it from there. And the court kicked that up claim out as well. I think that was before virtual legality's time. But you want to establish for the court, hey, look, I'm a legitimate person. I'm not just somebody in a back room. Hard Kill came out last year. There's Bruce Willis. I I'm sure he wasn't at all sleepy in this performance. But there you see our man, Clayton Haugen, 
who is a story by credit because Joe Russo of Infinity Ward and Endgame fame and Chris Lamont actually appear to have written the story, but based off of a story from Mr. Haugen. So he establishes that for the court and says, look, I release movies. This is what I do. They damage me when they steal things that I create. Haugen wrote November Renaissance. And here we get some really, really fun factual background for a lawsuit. A story set in the near future where the Regulus Corporation has monopolized the process of human augmentation. This technology allows the human brain to interface with computer systems while being unknowingly led by a non-human intelligence. Regulus corrupted this once promising technology to create and profit from social class divisions. Cade Janus is an athletic vigilante and paramilitary figure. Not a great start, gotta be honest. One of the things we will talk about that has to be established in a case where you claim infringement of a character is that your character is distinct, is not stock, is not flat, is not just off the shelf. Athletic vigilante and paramilitary figure, not super strong to start out with by establishing that they're different, but we do get a whole paragraph here. Her father, Frank Janice, was identical in nature, and after uncovering the conspiracy of a non-human intelligence conducting the affairs of the world's most powerful technology corporation, Frank organized and led an underground group of ex-military personnel to stop Regulus. After they were betrayed by one of their one, probably one of their own, yeah? They failed, and Frank disappeared. After Frank vanished from Cade's life, she was adopted and raised by one of the survivors of Frank's organization. This individual taught her all the methodologies of unconventional warfare that made Frank's team as effective as they were. As Regulus tries to steal a new competitor's technology by kidnapping and assimilating its lead scientist into an artificial intelligent network. Artificial intelligence network? Probably. Cade is forced out of her life of self-imposed exile. Cade subsequently inherits the conflict her father began, but most importantly discovers that her own genetic identity, as well as her valued memories, serve as the keystone to winning the secret war. Now, that was fun. We don't get to do that in virtual legality very often, and judges don't get to read stuff like this very often. So they might fall asleep and say, what the heck am I even reading? They might be entertained by what amounts to the back of a novel you might find in an airport lounge. Either way, what you've tried to establish in these paragraphs is that Cade Janice has some characteristics that are protectable by copyright, and that these characteristics, as we will see in this lawsuit, are claimed to have been infringed by Activision's creation of this Mara character in Call of Duty Modern Warfare. Now, you might note, if you've played Call of Duty Modern Warfare, that Call of Duty Modern Warfare does not deal with a corporation that has monopolized the process of human augmentation, doesn't really deal with these kinds of aspects uh, that are described here in paragraph 19. You have to kind of squint and really look at these things to even come up with something that matches up with this character. And it's one of the reasons why I think on the whole, you probably didn't want to just lean into this character infringement argument if you're the plaintiff in this case, because as we will see, they've got a better argument for the photography side of things, right? None of the things in this list, which I said were effective, way up here, are about the character. They aren't about stealing scripts or treatments or stories of November Renaissance or anything like that. It's about replicating a photography session and a look that a particular person had. And so you've created a pretty strong argument, a pretty strong streamlined discussion of potentially copying photography, but not so much infringement on character. This might be an area where the client, the plaintiff here, is just really excited about being a writer and wants to be a storyteller. It doesn't see themselves so much as a photographer for this purpose and wants to bring the lawsuit with this first and foremost at the front of the claim, even though the stronger claim, which is brought up kind of on an ancillary basis, might well be the actual deliberate steps taken to copy the photography.
Kate Janice is the central character in November Renaissance. While she appears as a seasoned guerrilla-style fighter, she is not without a resonance of duality and hidden layers. Haugen carefully delineated her as more than a stock action hero, right? You're starting to get these sentences and lines that are designed to get out of the argument that this is just a military lady in the desert taking photography, and we took that as inspiration, but you can't copyright it. She is characterized as a relatable figure who embodies a sense of human vulnerability and flaw. Probably flaws. Maybe she only has one flaw. It's one more than Rey in Star Wars, right? Haugen creates the Cade Janus photographs to bring the characters to life. To present or pitch November Renaissance to film studios, Haugen needed concept art. He found a talent to portray his conception of Cade Janus, and in a series of sessions beginning in 2017, he photographed the talent as Cade Janus. He provided her with clothing and props, including weapons. He hired a professional to do the talent's makeup and style her hair. He chose the settings. He directed the talent in her poses and facial expressions. All of this is important. He created these images. This is not the same kind of concept as, oh, I took a picture of an exploding volcano. Oh, I caught a crowd in Times Square on New Year's Eve. The courts historically have had a bigger problem kind of protecting those photos from recreation in the case where the photographer didn't actually set up the events that we're taking a photo of. In this particular case, though, he's trying to establish, look, I did all this stuff. This would not have existed at all without me. And so it can be infringed upon is his claim. Haugen is the author of, and at all times relevant to this claim, has been and is now the sole owner of all right, title, and interest in and to the copyrights in the following. The November Renaissance stories, the photos in 2017. Haugen has registered his November Renaissance works and his photos with the United States Copyright Office, which gives him protection. You can see he registered his story in 2012 and in 2013, a treatment for a film version. Then interestingly enough, and a number of articles I saw bring, bring this up, which I want to just kind of explain, the photos were actually registered in December of 2020, immediately on the eve of when this lawsuit would have been starting to be prepared. One question you might ask for yourself is, okay, if he waited to register it until well after Modern Warfare came out and just before this lawsuit, is that a problem? The answer to that is probably no. In the US, you get a copyright in something that you create the moment that you create it. When this is uploaded, this video in virtual reality is uploaded, I have a copyright in its contents, what I say, the commentary I give to you. We can see that in the Copyright Office website itself. They say, your work is under copyright protection from the moment it is created. And do I have to register to be protected? No. In general, registration is voluntary. I hate to break this to you. I'm not going to register a copyright for virtual legality episodes on the regular. Copyright exists from the moment the work is created. You will have to register, however, if you wish to bring a lawsuit for infringement. That's just the way our wacky copyright system works. So it's not unusual to see this kind of fact pattern where, okay, I'm going to sue over these photos. I better make sure they're registered or else it's going to get kicked out for complete violation of the Copyright Act. And so I have to register them before I bring this lawsuit. That's what was done. Not a surprise. Doesn't make him look bad. Doesn't really call into question anything else that he's trying to establish. Now we have some more interesting facts. This plaintiff may have a difficult case to bring. I will tell you as part of this video, I think it is difficult to bring. But he also has a lot of good facts on his side. Defendants copied Haugen's K. Janus photographs without his knowledge or permission. In a development document called Project Odyssey, dated September 8th, 2017, defendants, that's Activision to you and me, included a copy of Haugen's K. Janus 16 photograph on the casting page seven under the heading, The Face of the Near Future. So 
I don't know where this plaintiff's source is, how he's getting this information, but if this is in fact the case, and this is a marketing piece of material at Activision saying, hey, when we cast this thing, when we're making our models, when we're trying to look into this, here are the photos we're going for, and his photo is right here, you start to again paint a picture that they took this photo and they said, we're going to try to recreate this thing as an image, as a 3D model, and that's maybe, depending on how this all goes, and we'll look at the rest of the lawsuit, not okay, question mark. Now, you can also see some famous people in these photos. I believe this top left corner is an actor from the show Strike Back, I, I want to say, uh, and I think there are a couple of other ones here. Uh, so certainly, if you were just going to recreate these actors and things, you'd run into likeness issues. We'll talk about those as part of this video as well. But overall, while you can take inspiration from things that you see, the more you go to copy it, the more it looks like a derivative work, the more trouble you actually honestly can get in in a lawsuit like this one. Infinity Ward contacted the same talent Haugen had cast for his Cade Janus photographs. They hired her to pose for photographs and three-dimensional scanning that they would use to develop the animated in-game character named Mara for Call of Duty Modern Warfare and also to market the game. In this process, Infinity Ward and its contractors used Haugen's Cade Janus photographs as a guide, at one point posting them on the wall of the studio. And again, question, where is this information coming from? Does he have somebody on the inside of Infinity Ward or Activision? Is this his quote-unquote talent that is now telling him after the fact this is what went down? It's very interesting because you do have this set of events that says, okay, we're trying to copy that photo. We're trying to copy that look because we like that look. We put it in our marketing. We're going for this. Let's see if we can recreate it. It's interesting. Defendants provided the talent with military-style clothing similar to what Haugen provided to her from his wardrobe. One contractor that defendants hired did not have female tactical clothing, and they asked the talent to try to get Haugen to lend her the same clothing and props from his Cade Janus photographs. Presumably that's coming from the quote-unquote talent or somebody else in the talent sphere that told him, hey, can I, get that, can I get that clothing? Can I get those props? Again, it starts to look bad. That doesn't necessarily make it illegal, but this has done a pretty good job in now 11 pages of establishing that they were deliberately trying to copy this look and copy what he had done. To conceal their planned infringement of Hagen's K. Janus photographs and his K. Janus character, defendants required the talent and the makeup professional to sign non-disclosure agreements. Now, that's probably a bridge too far right? They undoubtedly required them to sign NDAs. If you're working on a video game, especially of the size of Call of Duty, and your face is potentially going to be in the game, especially if you're going to act in it. I don't know whether this person acts in it or not. Activision is going to make you sign an NDA. A lot of video game companies and movie companies and television companies and a lot of people in general going to ask you to sign an NDA. You want to frame it as this to conceal their planned infringement. Unfortunately, that's not going to hold water because you were always going to ask them to sign an NDA because Part of the value proposition of what you are creating is in its secrecy and revealing it when you want to reveal it. So marketing works. So that's probably not going to be something that holds water, but you got to respect the try by the plaintiff, right? The Mara character is a skilled female fighter, like the character that Haugen described as Kay Janus in his November Renaissance works. Hmm. The Mara in-game character's appearance is substantially similar to the female fighter depicted in Haugen's Kay Janus photographs. The defendant's game, Call of Duty Modern Warfare, infringes Huggins' copyrights in his K. Janus character and his K. Janus photographs. The character, probably the weaker claim. The photographs, maybe the stronger. They bring up a comparison to the 2019 photo shoot. Again, where's he getting these? And K. Janus 13. And you see, yep, 
they look very similar. Now, of course, you can't copyright Lady with a Gun. You can't copyright Long Ponytail. You can't copyright all of those elements, but you can start to copyright it on a holistic basis. Hey, this is the photo that I had. This is the, the look that I made for this particular person. And you straight up copied, copied it deliberately to make money off of the work that I had done. Photographers get a copyright in their works that's designed to protect against that kind of thing. The following images show the similarity between Haugen's K. Janus photographs and the defendant's in-game character copies. Here's Mara on the far right side, and you see all of these. I have to admit, this one in particular looks like you're trying to create Lara Croft. I, I don't know whether that'd be in a defense uh, document. Activision just starts bringing up Square Enix and Crystal Dynamics Lara Croft here. Don't know, but Suffice it to say, they're trying to establish that it's the same. And some of these do look pretty similar to this. Some of them don't. It's obviously a video game character. doesn't have quite the same fidelity as real life. But it actually gets a little bit closer, a little bit more substantial. Obviously, the photo that I chose to use in this thumbnail is this Mara marketing photo. In paragraph 40 here, they say the next set of side-by-side -side images shows the similarity between Haugen's Cade Janus photographs and defendant's marketing photograph copies. And you see here, yeah, you can't copyright... I have a gun, I'm a brunette, all these various things. But holistically, you can look at this and say that is clearly designed to establish the same look. And if you use the same actress and you do these kinds of things, it does start to look like you're trying to recreate someone else's work. And that could fall under the basket of being a derivative of that. So this photo might be infringing on this one, even though there are obviously substantial differences in, in how it looks. This photo could also be infringing on this one, though you start to get a little bit further afield. However, Activision did use it a lot. The Mara photographs were central to defendants' marketing of Call of Duty Modern Warfare. The next images are from defendants' marketing materials. You see Mara front and center here. This was the photo I said really did look a lot like a photo that this plaintiff had apparently taken. You see some other images, the same image that we just talked about with a different background. All these various things that do suggest that, hey, it could potentially, under the right light, you get the right judge, be infringement of the photography. Now, again... I don't think Mara as a character is infringement of this Jonas character. Uh, on the whole, it doesn't sound like it, at least, but the photography is a much closer question. The stolen Mara character was the first female character the defendants had featured to this extent in advertising any of their Call of Duty games. And then we get a couple paragraphs about how much money Call of Duty has made. Haugen has never authorized defendants to make copies of any part of his November Renaissance works and his Cade Janus photographs, including the depictions of the character Cade Janus. Defendants have infringed Haugen's copyrights in his November Renaissance works and his Cade Janus photographs by violating his exclusive rights, those rights that we just looked at, right? You get the right to reproduce and derivative works and all this good stuff. And he says, wait a minute, they copied it. Defendants made copies of the Renaissance works and his K. Janus photographs. Again, I don't know that they made copies of the weird artificial intelligence story in modern warfare, but the photographs are a closer question. By making the character, by marketing the character, they made derivatives of them, right? If you can attach in a straight line the photography session that this plaintiff had with the 3D modeling session of Mara, if you can make that case and the court believes you and agrees with you, then yeah, that 3D model is a derivative of this imagery that you created, which can be a character for purposes of the photography, maybe not for purposes of your short story and script treatment. Same for marketing. Defendants distributed, by sale or otherwise, copies of the derivatives. They were part of this video game they sold. And these infringements have resulted in more than a billion dollars in sales of infringing copies of Haugen's works, including his character, Kay Janice. And you got to reach for the stars, right? You're not bringing an infringement claim against Activision to ask for five bucks. You want to throw in how much money they've made and say, Look, 
They made a billion dollars off of infringing my work. I'll tell you, that's not going to hold water completely because one of the things that Activision will do if they ultimately lost on the infringement decision was they would try to establish exactly how much money they think was attributable to the use of the Mara character as opposed to everything else they put into Call of Duty Modern Warfare. Cause of action, copyright infringement. In the alternative, Activision Blizzard has or has had a direct financial interest in the infringement of Hagen's copyrights in his November Renaissance works and his K. Janus photographs, including his character K. Janus by Activision Infinity Ward, MLG, and its contractors, and is therefore liable vicariously, right? It failed to prevent them from infringing, didn't have the right safeguards in place, or maybe Activision didn't, right? You can do this in a number of different ways, right? Hey, it's direct infringement by Activision Blizzard. Maybe it's infringement vicariously for the people under Activision Blizzard. Maybe it's vicarious infringement for the people under Activision. Maybe the defendants intentionally induced the infringing content, so that's actually contributory infringement. They actually did it. They ordered them to do it. They wanted them to do it. They used marketing materials in the casting that said, you should do this. Maybe, maybe. All of the profits attributable to their infringements to the fullest extent permitted by 17 USC 504 is entitled to be recovered by Haugen. Now, like I said, you reach for the sky. You go for it as much as you can. We got here 504, your remedies from infringement. You can go get your actual damages, what you were actually damaged by the sales of this, in establishing the infringer's profits. So this is after you've won. The court has said, hey, Activision, you are responsible for this infringement. Then the infringer, Activision, would be required to prove the elements of profit attributable to factors other than the copyrighted work. Right, so you can imagine how this might look if Mara isn't in a couple of the modes. Maybe Mara isn't a factor in uh, Warzone or Zombies. I don't think there's a Zombies in Modern Warfare, as it turns out. Uh, or maybe multiplayer. If she's not a factor in one of those things, you could start to split off potential profits, or you can use surveys and do all these various things. Certainly, even if you infringed on this, you wouldn't be expected, if you were Activision, to disgorge all your profits from Modern Warfare. Some portion of people might have bought Modern Warfare because they saw this character and they saw this marketing. That is, of course, the purpose of marketing. But a whole bunch of people didn't buy it just to play as Mara or to see Mara on their screens. So you're going to have kind of a fight over damages and one that would be far more facts and circumstances based than we are even going to go into in virtual reality because it's so far down uh, the field uh, from what we're looking at right now. In the alternative, instead of asking for actual damages, you can go ask for statutory damages, right? The copyright owner may, may elect an award of statutory damages for all infringements involved in the actions with respect to any one work in a sum of not less than $750 or more than $30,000. In a case where the copyright owner sustains the burden of proving and the court finds that infringement was committed willfully, the court in its discretion may increase the award of statutory damages to a sum of not more than $150,000 with respect to any one work. So these things can multiply as you sell units into the marketplace. Right? So statutory damages might be something that he goes after instead of actual damages because actual damages are so hard to prove. And it's one of the reasons you see in this lawsuit, hey, they did this willfully. They had my pictures on the wall when they tried to recreate this photography. So I deserve a big chunk of money. But it's a tricky claim to bring. Right? And then he says, I would like it to be 
pursued in front of a jury. Uh, a lot of the times the strategy there is that you want to have a jury look at you if you're fighting a big multinational corporation because the general thought pattern, I don't know how much this bears out in the studies and the research done on this topic, is that a, if you've got a big giant corporation on the other side, you've got a better chance uh, of an appeal uh, to a jury, individual versus large uh, multinational corporation. So that's the lawsuit. That's the claim. And as I said, I think the photography is a lot closer to a potential win than the character. If you go and you look at character stuff, and I've pulled up a Wikipedia page, I don't recommend relying on Wikipedia for legal analysis, but sometimes they can get you going in the right direction. They can give you a roadmap for the kinds of questions that you might be asking. We see a entry about copyright protection for fictional characters. They give you a little American history on this, and we get a couple of tests that they say predominate over American jurisprudence on this question. The first is the well-delineated test, which we told you would come up again uh, while we were reading through the lawsuit. In Nichols, this case that they're citing, the United States Court of Appeals for the Second Circuit denied protection to the plaintiff's characters on the grounds that they were not distinctly delineated, but poorly developed. The plaintiff's characters of the Jewish gentleman and the poor Irish Catholic girl he loved were regarded to be no more than mere prototypes. And Judge Hand held that the less developed the character the less the copyrightability of the same. As I said, I don't like to rely on Wikipedia for this analysis, so I did go and look up some lawsuits on these particular topics, and we've got one about Sherlock Holmes in 2014. You've got Judge Posner saying the following, the more vague, the less complete a character, the less likely it is to qualify for copyright protection. An author could not copyright a character described merely as an unexpectedly knowledgeable old wino, but could copyright a character that has a specific name and a specific appearance. Cogliostro's age, obviously phony title, what he knows and says, his name, and his faintly mosaic facial features combine to create a distinctive character. No more is required for a character copyright, with a uh, reference to Guyman versus McFarlane from 2004. Again, this particular case is from 2014. But you go and you look at these issues and you say, okay, so you have to have something that's delineated. That's going to be helped out by the fact that you apparently have a short story featuring this character. So you might have enough in this character to say, this is what this character is. It just isn't stock off the shelf. We can't read the thing. So we don't know for certain, but if it's not distinctly delineated, you lose at the first step. You don't get through the test at all. So firstly, as Wikipedia describes it, the character must possess physical and conceptual attributes and must be sufficiently delineated to be identified as the same character across multiple occasions. If it appeared again, would you recognize that as the person from November Renaissance? Lastly, the character must be especially distinctive and contain some unique elements of expression. In the photos, we don't necessarily see that, not as a character, right? We don't see everything that is described about her past with her father and the AI corporation that she fights, like the Cree or whatever it is in that story. And so it's hard to attach that to the photography. So you've got these two separate theories, one of which is probably stronger than the other. You also have another test here about the story being told, that the character has to be emblematic of what's happening in the story. In this case, it's referenced by Wikipedia. Sam Spade of the Maltese Falcon detective novel was held to be a mere vehicle for carrying the story forward, and so he wasn't protected by copyright in this particular instance. Wikipedia says the American judiciary has followed both of these tests. Copyright, intellectual property, fun for all, facts and circumstances based, and you never know what you're going to get when you go in front of a specific judge or a specific court of appeals, or heck, even the Supreme Court. So you got a discussion here of Rocky and Sylvester Stallone embodying Rocky and him 
embodying Rocky, making it itself copyrightable because Sylvester Stallone is so recognizable. And James Bond being copyrightable, even though it goes through so many different actors because of the specific characteristics that make up James Bond. But in order to get to infringement, you have to show the character is capable of being copyrighted and that there was an infringement of the expression. So let's say you could actually attach this Cade Janus character to the photography. You still have to establish that Mara is an infringement of the character. And visually, that might not necessarily be enough unless you had very specific descriptions of it in your short story and those were somehow captured. That's going to be a problem because brunette, ponytail, holding a gun, military fatigues, doesn't make a character for purposes of the Copyright Act. In general, we say with always the caveat that these are so facts and circumstances based that who knows on any given question. Continuing, we also have the notion that there could be a likeness issue here, right? This actress worked for you. Actress works for Activision. If Activision didn't tell her that they were going to use her face and her body for this character in modern warfare, they would have a problem with likenesses. Any person who knowingly uses another's name, voice, signature, photograph, or likeness in any manner without such person's prior consent shall be liable for any damages sustained by the person. This is California uh, because Activision is primarily operating at, under California law for purposes of what we look at for what they're doing here. But that doesn't appear to be the case, but it still looks similar, right? When you get into these questions of likeness versus photography, we just saw various lawsuits about uh, video games where I think it was LeBron James had certain tattoos and 2K put them in their video game and there was a lawsuit from the tattoo artist and they said, hey, look, that's his likeness and LeBron has the ability to sign over his likeness, all these various things. This person, the talent, the actress has the ability to go say, yes, you can use my face and body and put it in the video game and that's okay. I, I didn't lose the rights to how I look when this other person took photography of me. So that's another kind of competing characteristic here. The last thing I wanted to mention before we finish up this video is the photography angle, right? Reproduction of photography is an interesting question. And I've pulled up a blog from a person by the name of Rebecca Tushnet, who talks about a case from, it looks like 2012, in which a photo here was that somebody sued over a movie studio's use of a recreation of a photo that they had taken. The photographer said, Professional freelance photographer Donald Harney took a picture of a blonde girl in a pink coat riding piggyback on her father's shoulders as they emerged from a Palm Sunday service in the Beacon Hill section of Boston. A year later, the subjects became a national media sensation. The father soon to be revealed as uh, Christian Karl Gertheitreiter, a German citizen who had assumed the name Clark Rockefeller, had abducted his daughter during a parental visit and was being sought by law enforcement authorities. And who is Clark Rockefeller was apparently a movie made by Sony. They did a marketing photo that looked a lot like the original photo. And the district court said that doesn't count. That's not a recreation. Now, why did they say that? So the district court ruled that Sony copied the factual content, but not the expressive elements of the photo. Every work contains non-copyrightable elements that are free for others to use. In the first circuit, which is not the circuit we're talking about here, but Still worthwhile to consider, substantial similarity is assessed first by dissecting the plaintiff's work to separate expressive elements from unprotected content. You dissect it. You divide it into, okay, so that's just public. You know, that's a tree. That's just a gun. And then you compare the two works holistically once you've only got the protected content that you're looking at in both. Giving weight only to the protected aspects of the plaintiff's work is determined through the dissection. Substantial similarity exists if the ordinary observer unless he set out to detect the disparities, would be disposed to overlook them and regard their aesthetic appeal as the same. 
Although the comparison is not perfect, the division between protected and unprotected elements of a photograph could be likened to the separation drawn by copyright law between protected expression and unprotected ideas. That's one of those things that we say a lot in virtual legality, right? You do not get intellectual property protection over an idea. When we have all those videos about CD Projekt or Sony trying to kill spoilers for The Last of Us or CD or uh, Cyberpunk 2077, the reason that that isn't okay under the Copyright Act shouldn't be okay under the DMCA. And really, the YouTubes and the Twitters and the Facebooks of the world should look at how the DMCA is being used in these cases is because you cannot protect the fact that Joel and Ellie are riding horses in the first scene of Last of Us Part Two. You can't protect that. Regardless of whether somebody would, that would be a spoiler, that's just a narrative concept. It is not, in fact, the copyrightable protection that you can get from the, the things that you actually have a protection in. The photography, the game code, the game even as it's displayed. And so this analogy, I think, is useful for us discussing this in this space because we can understand from looking at it before in virtual legality that when you look at a photo, you divide it into what is protectable and what's not. The key facts here, Harney didn't arrange the subject matter, but rather just captured a moment in time. He didn't select their clothes. He didn't give them props. He didn't ask them to pose. Nonetheless, the photo consisted primarily of subject matter and facts he had no role in creating, especially the daughter riding piggyback on her father's shoulders. Then this particular blog author says, the district court did the dissection properly. Harney had no rights to the piggyback pose, the clothing, the items the subject carried, or the church. His rights we're in the framing of the people against the background of the church and sky with each holding a symbol of Palm Sunday with bright colors and tones and with the subject in the center of the frame, how it actually winds up looking. So even on the photography side in this particular case, even if we go to this lawsuit and you say, well, Rick, you just said these photos, they can look a lot alike. They aren't identical. They're clearly not the exact same pose. They aren't the exact same look that the plaintiff here established. But the fact that you've got marketing saying we want it to look like this, the fact that you got them hiring the same person, the same makeup artist, apparently asking for the same hair extension, the same looks, you do start to have this instance where maybe you get into a situation where they prepared a derivative work or they copied the actual photo if you get the right judge on the right time. So long story short, like everything in intellectual property and copyright law, it's unknown how this will go. There are certain weaknesses in the case, and certainly Activision will fight it tooth and nail, certainly to protect their billion dollars in modern warfare, but that's not really, in my opinion, at play. They could potentially get in possible trouble for infringement with all of the elements that the plaintiff uses to describe their willfulness. And if it looks like it's going that way, if Activision gets a bad decision uh, on some early motions with respect to this lawsuit, and it looks like they would have to go through a long and tortured process, expect Activision to settle. We won't ever hear what the details of that would be, but if it doesn't get kicked out immediately, if the judge looks like they might be interested in pursuing the photography side of this, Activision's probably going to say, no way, uh-uh, no, we're not dealing with any of this. Let's talk. And maybe if it comes to it, we'll say something about how we'll look more closely at our contractors and we never meant for this to happen. And we're very sorry, Mr. Plaintiff. That's been Virtual Legality for today. If you enjoy this talk, business and law of things like video games, pop culture in general, stuff that you're already reading about, please consider supporting the channel. We've got a Patreon. We've got Streamlabs. We've got t-shirts and sweatshirts and things in the store. This channel is great. I have loved doing virtual legality now for more than two years, but as it takes up more and more of my time, especially at the law firm, 
It really does need your support. So if you like the fact that this exists, if you like the fact that we put out these episodes so often, please do consider supporting it. And if you don't want to go that far, I do not blame you one bit. Just like, subscribe, ring the bell, tell your friends. Every single little bit helps, and I want to keep having these conversations with you. I love having them. I think a lot of you like having them with me. If you caught this on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. And if you listen to it as a podcast, thank you so much for listening. And I will catch you on the very next episode of Virtual Legality. Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel.